Leone. I want to talk to you about underperforming pass catchers that we can you know, identify as trade targets in season-long fantasy. Also, guys, that you might be worried whether or not you should start or sit them this week. And um, these are going to be starts, the guys that we talk about. Also, interesting DFS guys. Before we get into that, I want to note that this podcast is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. If you use promo code ETR when signing up, they will match your first initial deposit up to $100. So it's a great way um, to play some DFS on Underdog. They've got their Battle Royale going. We also have Justin Herzig from ETR putting up rankings for the Underdog rest of season best ball resurrection contest that they have. So you can use our ranks on ETR, upload them in like two seconds over on Underdog. And again, use promo code ETR for up to $100 free match deposit bonus. So uh, before I start, I do want to say thank you to Josh Hermsmeyer, who did a lot of space in terms of air yards, previously had the buy low model um, that he created and hosted on Establish the Run the previous couple of seasons. He now has taken that over to Pro Football Focus. So I want to thank Josh for previously having that on ETR and just for his work in the air yard space. I have taken up my own model at trying to identify underperforming wide receivers and tight ends, and we have that on Establish the Run. Um, the way I'm looking at things is I'm taking a look at each individual play for a player and kind of giving it an expected fantasy point total. And different targets have different values. So it kind of depends. The team scoring expectation is important context. So we layer in the team total because you know a target from a team that has a, a 27 team total versus one that has an 18 team total going to have different worth in terms of fantasy. And it's one easy catch-all way to like just add a little bit of context because a lot of these underperforming metrics and models that you know you see, including my own, they try to be skill agnostic. We want to know based on the player's opportunity if they keep receiving the same opportunity or they perform better. I do think though it's worth noting, you know, players that are on good or bad teams because the team totals are somewhat stable over the course of a season and it definitely adds some signal in my own model to include that, but we want to look at the depth of the target, how far down the field it is. You know, targets with higher air yards are going to have more volatility, a little bit more upside, whereas shorter dot targets are going to have a higher catch rate, maybe not as much upside in terms of yards and TD probability. And we want to look at field position. You know, where are the guys getting these targets? If they're getting consistently getting targets by the goal line, the expected fantasy points is going to be higher. So I take all that information from the individual plays for the player and I throw it into a model that then tries to predict future performance. So, um, and that helps me identify underperforming wide receivers and tight ends. So it's not necessarily just comparing their past fantasy points to the expected fantasy points. There's a machine learning algorithm bit that goes on in the middle um, I've rambled for too much though. The, the key here is that we want to find players that are going to perform better than they have um, based on their opportunity. Um, so first guy I want to look at is Brandon Cooks. And I'm going to highlight a couple of tools. The by Leone wide receiver and T under performers tool. That again is the result of that, that model of mine that I just explained, as well as the player comps tool that I put together kind of use those in conjunction to try and see what the expectation for the player is for this week and in the future. And Brandon Cooks is someone that uh, we've identified as one of the most underperforming wide receivers. And there's a couple of reasons for this. There's things that go into this model and things that don't. As far as what goes into this model, 
Brandon Cooks has seen 12, 10, and 7 targets his first three weeks. However, he has a catch rate of 45%. Previous two seasons in Houston, his catch rate was 67% and 68%. So if he keeps seeing that same volume, the catch rate is going to regress positively, and we're going to see a better performance out of him. Now, some other contacts that I think makes it even more favorable for Brandon Cooks is that the Houston Texans have played, they've run their average play with actually a positive point differential or or right around neutral this season. They're a bad team. They're going to end up throwing more than they've thrown the first three weeks. So we'll actually see Brandon Cooks' opportunity spike, I think, moving forward. And sometimes when I see a player pop, I want to look at their comps for the week and kind of check it out. And I've got this player comps tool, which basically looks at the 20 closest players in terms of historical projection on ETR and what they've done. So you can see all the comps for him. They have a similar projection range as what we're projecting for Brandon Cooks for the week. And they have some other similar attributes in terms of team play calling, like efficiency expectation, age and experience going to the model as well. And you can see that the median outcome for Brandon Cooks on his 20 closest player comps is actually higher than what we're projecting this week. It's above 15. It's around 17 points. His 80th percentile outcome is in the 20s, in the low 20s. And even his 20th percentile outcome is a double-digit performance. So I'm into Brandon Cooks. I don't know if he has a ton of season-long end-of-year upside, but if you have him on your roster and you're debating a start set, I think he's a good start. I think he's someone that you can play in DFS lineups this week. Also like they're back in a dome after playing outside in Chicago last week. Another guy to look at, Kyle Pitts, who's actually our top underperformer thus far. And he's someone that is extremely talented. If you had looked at him as a wide receiver and what he did year one, he some way would have been targeted. So the tight end position for him in some ways was just a bonus comes out, has a really disappointing start to the year. But I want to look at the opportunity that he's had and also look at that in light of what his talent is. So this year, if you look at air yards for the tight end position, Mark Andrews is way ahead of everybody with 376. Kyle Pitts is a clear two at 283. And then Travis Kelsey is at 213. So Andrews and Pitts are sort of in a class of their own. I'm like, Clear tier one for Andrews, tier two for Pitts, and then sort of like everybody else after that. He's only caught nine of his 18 targets, 50% catch rate. So our expected point total for Kyle Pitts through three weeks in PPR leagues is about 30 fantasy points. He's only scored 21.5. Two reasons. One, we're going to expect that catch rate to come up. His yards per target is only 6.9. He's someone we expect to have an above average yards per target at the tight end position, not below average, especially with that dot generally trends towards a higher yards per target. Also should have a higher touchdown rate. The one concern, of course, is he didn't score very much last season. He only has one red zone target this year. This does not count a red zone target he had on a penalty that he drew last week, though. So that that's actually shorting him in my model a little bit because I don't have penalties included in my stuff. Somewhat concerned over the course of this season that Pitts is offense is going to have a tough time supporting him with Drake London emerging as a really good go-to target and this team maybe running at a slow pace and also calling a negative pass rate over expectation 
and just not having a ton of volume. But ultimately, Kyle Pitts is someone that you want to go after. There just aren't tight ends that see this type of depth of target and have the talent that he does. So we're going to see some big games from him sooner rather than later, I think. Even if he doesn't crack into that very top echelon of tight ends, he's going to be a very valuable player the rest of the season. Now, the player on the by Leone wide receiver and tight end underperformers list that has the highest kind of model projection by far is Devontae Adams. And I wanted to point that out specifically because a lot of times you don't see really high-end players pop on my model. And that's because there's two things that go into it. Is where the opportunity that the player has, but again, this is skill agnostic. So generally the very top players that command really good opportunity are also better on a per opportunity basis than the average wide receiver. So as a result, they're they're like usually not on an underperformers list because they're overperforming on a per target basis because of their talent and the model is not taking into account their talent. So when someone like Devonte Adams pops, I really want to pay attention, even though he hasn't underperformed by a ton, because I know he has the talent to be better than his opportunity on a per target basis. And he's already underperforming a huge opportunity. So it's like doubly good in my mind when we see someone whose talent we're confident in on this list. And Devontae Adams, Deontay Johnson are two guys up top, DK Metcalf as well. But I'm looking at Devontae Adams in particular because it probably seems weird that Devontae Adams is on this list. He scored a touchdown three straight weeks. And sometimes guys who find the end zones consistently like that are actually overperformers. But in Adams's case, he has a, a similar thing to Brandon Cooks going on where the catch rate's absurdly low. He's a 50% catch rate. Now, some of that might be switching teams. He loses Aaron Rodgers, goes to Derek Carr. But Derek Carr is a really accurate quarterback with a high history of, of a very good completion rate. So Devontae Adams, previous two seasons, 73% catch rate, 77% catch rate. If we even expect him to be in the high 60s. There's going to be a lot of regression in his favor. So that's number one. Number two, the targets are absurd. 17, 7, and 10 targets in his three games. That's a total of 34 already through three games. And as part of a share, that's huge. If I look at our expected points at wide receiver two for Devontae Adams, just purely expected points through three weeks, he's number one in the entire NFL ahead of only Stefan Diggs ahead of Stefan Diggs and Jamar Chase. And part of the reason he's number one, you know, there's some other guys with more air yards, some other guys with the similar targets, more targets, but he's got 10 red zone targets and he's got really high quality red zone targets. These are targets by the end zone. So even though he scored three touchdowns through three weeks, and that seems fortunate, that's actually within his skill set and the way that he's being utilized. And if I look at his player comps for this week, Obviously, you have Devontae Adams in a season-long league. You're starting him. But I do think he's a really good trade target and someone to play in DFS this week. Um, his comps are, are pretty absurd. His 80th percentile outcomes around 30 points. Um, his median outcome is pretty normal. We're projecting him for around 20 fantasy points. His median outcome is in the high teens. But there are some, if you look at his comps, his top four comps, is his first one's Devontae Adams himself. From week one this year, 33 fantasy points. Stefan Diggs from weeks one and two this year, 29 of 48 fantasy points. Stefan Diggs from week 10, 
of 2020, 25 fantasy points. So his top four comps are huge. And if you go down the list, you've got another 34-point outing, which is himself, another 37-point outing, which is himself. But you also see him being comped to Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins. So really favorable comps for Devontae Adams. So even with him scoring three touchdowns, there's a ceiling beyond what we've seen for Devontae Adams. And then I think DK Metcalf is interesting on this list. Uh, we've got him with uh, expected future fantasy point per game performance of 13.4 PPR points based on his recent history. He's averaged only 11.8. And with Metcalf, there's a couple things going on. One, Geno Smith, people I don't think realize, but he's completing an absurdly high rate of his passes. So we might lose some of the big playability with DK Metcalf. I think we're going to make up for it in terms of catch rate. His three games this year, Geno's completed 82%, 80%, and 72% of his passes. We saw Seattle talk about playing a little bit faster, being more aggressive, and they throw the ball 44 times against Atlanta. And they actually have consistently called plays at a somewhat fast clip. It's just they're so bad that they haven't stayed on the field. That's why they don't run a lot of plays. Overall, he's completing 78% of his passes. I'm not expecting that to last at that high of a number, but it's worth noting in his three games started, four games total last year, he also completed 68.4% of his passes. So if we find Metcalf, what we see is a player that has 25 targets, 230 air yards, through three weeks. He's also been utilized decently in the red zone with six red zone targets. Overall, that gives him 41 expected PPR points. He's only scored 35 and a half. And we know he has some big playability down the field that we haven't even really seen come to fruition. His ADOT hasn't been that high yet at 9.2. So uh, he's he's definitely someone I think to target. He's a good dude to go out in leagues if you don't have the depth at wide receiver. And I'm was very bearish on the Seattle wide receivers coming into the year. I think where their prices are now and how the market now values them actually might be a little bit undervalued. And you can see Metcalf this week, um, not the most inspiring comps, but you see Terry McLaurin, T Higgins, Marquise Brown, Odell Beckham. Those are the types of players. A lot of Terry McLaurin on the list as far as his comps, which makes sense. A team that's you know not that great offensively but maybe we can throw a little bit more than we expected coming out of the gate um, and, and is a talented wide receiver. Some other dudes on the list that I think are worth noting. DJ Moore is on the list. Uh, with DJ Moore, he's another dude with the catch rate is incredibly low. It's going to revert. And also, similar to Brandon Cooks in Houston, I think Carolina has been in a weird spot where they haven't thrown as much as they're likely to moving forward. Now, I'm somewhat pessimistic on more this week, given the East Coast weather concerns. So maybe, maybe you sit him for one more week. Maybe you don't play him in DFS quite yet, but keep your eye on DJ Moore. Elijah Moore pops on this list. I'm a little more concerned with him. One thing that the Bileone model doesn't account for is regressing the team opportunities and the jets have attempted like over 150 passes through three weeks. That's not going to last. So more looks like he's under more has underperformed based on the opportunity he got. But one key element to this is it assumes the opportunity remains somewhat stable moving forward. 
And I'm, I am concerned that we see more opportunity drop off with the emergence of Garrett Wilson, with Zach Wilson back at quarterback, they might call plays more conservatively. And just the flukiness of game script through three weeks, they're not going to, I mean, no team attempts 50 passes a week. It's not going to happen. If that comes down like 15 pass attempts per game, you know, all of a sudden more looks like an underperformer. And really that might be more like his expectation, what he's actually performed. Uh, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel make the list. Important to note that they that it's only receiving stuff that I'm looking at. So with Debo Samuel, it's not looking at any of his rush stuff. Both these guys I like. I like George Kittle too. You know, with Jimmy G at quarterback, I think there's a bit more upside here than we saw. I think San Francisco pass catchers maybe overdrafted and similar to like Metcalf and whatnot. Now they might be undervalued by the market just due to a really bad start between just some fluky stuff. They've played in like pretty gross games overall between the the rain field condition game week one against Chicago. They played the gross 11 to 10 game against Denver. They had, you know, a game against Seattle that they kind of controlled throughout. So definitely think it's, it's time for the San Francisco pass catchers to emerge a bit. Um, and then Zach Ertz is on this list as well. I think it's worth pointing out that when we we have concerns about talent, that's when we maybe don't go after a guy that's on this list. But in for Ertz too, he's been utilized a ton in the red zone by Arizona. I actually have him leading all tight ends with eight red zone targets. So even if he's not efficient a ton on a, a per target basis, he might just have enough raw volume overall and in the red zone to sort of get there. Uh, someone I was really down on in the preseason. I'm still very skeptical. He makes it through the course of the season because I think part of the reason he's underperforming is a talent issue and they have Trey McBride on that roster who they drafted. But if he does keep receiving the same opportunities over the course of the season, there's almost no way he can be bad. You know, even if he's just catching a ball and falling down, uh, he's going to find the end zone you know, once every two games, he's going to catch four or five balls. And the tight end position has been so bad that that keeps him as a top 10 tight end overall. So I'm going to keep doing this every week, kind of taking this look between the player comps and some of the, the expected point stuff. I'm looking at the back end and what spit out on the underperforming wide receiver and tight end list for us over at established the run and talk through it from, you know, a start sit perspective, a trade target perspective, and a little bit of DFS perspective as well. Make this a weekly feature. Another weekly feature that I'm going to add on Establish the Edge is next week off Adam Rausch, who does our game score stuff. And we're going to do a game scores podcast. And that's something for DFS players to help identify who they should be stacking each week. So we'll sort of recap what happened the previous week from a game scores perspective and how the week ahead is shaping up and ways we might be able to attack that from a DFS perspective. All right, that'll do it. Thanks so much for listening. If you please take the time to give us a thumbs up and subscribe on YouTube, it helps a lot. If you're listening on iTunes or wherever, you rate and review. allows me to keep doing free content like this. Again, thank you for tuning in. Best of luck this week.